0: You are listening to Steady Geekin, brought to you by Dynamic D- Duo High Five. We are M- the Best podcast ever. Oh. Ever. ever. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brandon. I'm Blake. And I'm Meg.
1: This isn't the x
0: Did you want to talk Ravis some uh, comic books? Yeah, What
1: is this? Planet, <laughs> he's a hero. <laughs>
0: Find us and join us and be Be our our friends. friends. Yes, yes, yes. Steady geek until the end.
1: Steady
0: Steady. 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 geek. What's up, geeks? It's your boy, Blake. And uh I'm Magless and uh Brandonless today, but I do have a returning friend to the show, Mr. Andy Smith. What's happening? How's it going, man? It's going, buddy. How you been?
1: I'm doing good. I I appreciate uh being on again. That's cool. Always fun times.
0: Absolutely. We had a blast the last time promoting your uh last uh kickstarter and looks like you got another uh, project coming up. Um you want to tell yeah, our listeners a-, a little bit about it?
1: Uh sure. It's called Dynamic Hero Templates and what it is is a 48-page book that you draw right in. So all you need is a pencil and I have pre-drawn eight different male figure types physique so there's like the standard hero physique, which would fall into the category of, say, your Superman, Captain America. There's the hawkish, brutish type guy, the teenager, the child for, like, you know, say, a Damien Robin type character. Uh, I said, oh, the lean, skinny guy, and then kind of a husky type guy. And I did a front view and a back view of each one. And basically, You just take the pencil and if you have a character design in mind, you draw right over top of my templates. So it's for the, it's for the artist that's learning the craft. So for instance, when I was, if you go to the campaign page, you'll see a drawing I did when I was 12 of my guy's first band. And for, as an example, I took that exact same costume design I did when I was 12 and drew it over one of the standard hero templates in the book. And it just makes such a world of difference. So I'm taking away the the part of uh, having to draw an anatomically correct proportional figure. I already did. Um, And then there's also six different heads in the book. Basically, so you can design the details of your character's face and headgear if they have any on a larger scale instead of a small head. That's on the full figure. And um each figure is each figure in each head template is reproduced three times. So if you're like, oh, I've got more than one brutish idea, no problem. You've got two more times to do it. Uh like I said, it's 48 pages. It's 11 inches by eight and a half, so it's landscape, stapled on the eight and a half side, so you can lay it flat when you draw drawing it. On heavier stock paper, not just regular. I guess you'd say paper that's in most books, because you are drawing in it, you're going erase and and whatnot, and maybe even, even use ink. ink. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's ten bucks now, and if the project gets funded, I did get an ISBN and barcode for it to try and get it in the stores. Awesome. And the retail price after the campaign is twelve ninety five. So you're saving three
0: bucks getting it this way. So either, either way, 12 10 bucks there. That's, that's fantastic price for what you're getting. I would have killed for something like this when I was uh, a kid and learning how to draw and, and doing comics. I would have, I know they had books back then, but I love how uh, interactive yours is with everyone. It, it's, it's, it's your art style, but it, it, like you said, it's just going to teach them the, the basic uh, shape and anatomy. And I was looking at, the video, by the way, and you did a side-by-side comparison of uh, a, a character you did when you were 12 years old versus yep. uh, one today, but even at 12, that looked incredible. That was badass. You had <laughs> the muscles down. You had the, the, the face. When I was 12 in drawing, I thought I was a little ahead of my time. I really wasn't looking back, but you were for a 12 year old, oh. especially.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I appreciate that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's true. I was like, that's supposed to not be good. That's great.
1: <laughs> well, you know, in, in my mind's eye, it wasn't. I, I always, uh, and, and back then too, especially learning to draw, you know, I always measured myself against professional people at the time. Right, so you know, and yeah. I, you know, I'm one of those things I beat myself up over today. It's I, I, I might be doing it for a living, and I'm I'm going on my 28th year in the business, but wow. I still uh, I still beat myself up occasionally.
0: So hey, look that that's the way of that's the way an artist exists. It's self deprecating, and you put out the good stuff when you're uh, hard on yourself. I think it makes you try harder. Yeah, who was your you, and we might have talked about this on the last episode you did, but, but who was your biggest inspiration as far as, um, you know, whose art style maybe you were trying to emulate to learn?
1: Well, I mean, it really – as a kid, before – I went to the Kiebert school. So before I went to the Kiebert school, I was all over the place. I was John Byrne, George Perez. Yes. Um, those were probably the biggest two. But then, you know, I, I like John Busum and Neil Adams. But when I was going to the Cuberth School in my third year, which for the Cuberth School, that's your senior year because it's only a three-year program, you know, I I like telling this story. I started, you know, in September. That's when school starts. So I started in my third year, and I'm all ready to go. And, uh, you know, you get your schedule or whatever, your class schedule. And I happened to see that there's, you know, teachers would come and go from the school because... The teachers that teach at the Hubert School, their main job is actually, you know, illustration, comic books, whatever. Teaching there is just like a little part-time thing. So it wasn't weird to see a new teacher on staff, you know, for a year or whatnot. So anyhow, my third year, I happened to notice that second-year students had the luxury of getting a new teacher, and it was Bart Sears. You know, this is right when Justice League Europe was coming out, or actually a few years after. And I was like, no way, I'm getting robbed, because I was a huge, huge Bart Sears fan. Yeah, I think Justice League came out in 88, and that's when I started the school. So this is, you know, 1990 now. So I was like, you know, I'm not going to let an opportunity pass me by. I just went down to his class one day before it started. And, you know, knocked on the door and went in and introduced myself, said, you yeah, I'm a third-year student, but I'm a big fan of your work, I, you know, would you look at my stuff? And he's like, yeah, sure, so he did. And, you know, he must have saw something in it, because he did kind of take me under his wing and mentor me, even though I was a third-year student. He lived in town, so I would go over to his place and do some of my homework assignments over there and... You know, show, you know, have him critique the stuff. And, you know, like most teachers did at the Keyboard School, they would throw trace and paper over your work and go, well, you could fix this here or do this differently, you know. So that's what he would do. So um, he was definitely the biggest influence because for almost the whole, well, for a whole school year, I had him kind of as a private teacher slash mentor and, you know, he was the one that took me up to D.C. for the first time and introduced me to editors and stuff when I was a senior in the wow. spring of that year. And, um, you know, it was either my second or third time up to D.C. with him that, uh, you know, I met an editor and showed him my stuff and got my first gig. So, That's and surprising. you know, obviously we're still friends and. And whatnot—that's
0: got to be so crazy. It's—it's. It's, I know they say like never meet your heroes or or your <laughs> or who would you who you would want to be mentored by because you might be disappointed. But I love hearing these stories when you meet them and then you end up working with them and then you're friends with them and they're just genuinely great people. I don't know how rare or common that is, but that's that's freaking awesome.
1: Um. Yeah. Definitely. I always knock on wood. Um. That. I think, I think in comics, definitely talent, you know, plays a part in it, but I think it's talent. I think it's timing and, um, you know, probably a little bit of luck thrown in there because it's just a big mixture because, you know, it could have easily been one of those cases where he would have been like, Hey, I'm going up to DC. Do you want to go with me and show some of your work around? I'll introduce you. And, you know, if I said no, You just, you know, you you never know. That's right. And I'm always the one I'm I learned at an early age that, you know, if there's an opportunity to meet somebody, a mentor or, you know, somebody whose work you look up to in any industry, any industry, not just comics. If you have a chance to do it, you should do it, because if you don't, more likely than not, you're just going to be kicking yourself, you know, and honestly, most things there's there's two ways things can go. It's either a yes or a no. So I mean I could have walked into his room and been like, hey, I'm a third year student, big fan. Would you look at my work? I mean, he could have said no. I'm teaching second year, that's that. Get out of here. You right. know, and I would have been like, all right, whatever. Um, but the point is, if you don't try, you never know. That's right. So you always gotta you always gotta try. And yeah, I mean, through him, I've met a lot of other people. I've met Graham Nolan and um Mark Pennington, uh, Bart and I shared studio space when I lived up in Syracuse where he's from. Um, and like I said, we're still really close friends. We're partners in Ominous Press again. So, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to believe that it's been almost
0: 30 years. That's crazy. Do you still have to pinch yourself every now and then?
1: Yeah. I mean, there it's, Yeah. Definitely. Because there are days, like I was saying, where, and I, from all the artists, like friends I've talked to, we all kind of go through this where, you know, we have our ups and downs. It's a roller coaster because it, it is a creative field and you have days where everything's just clicking and it's yeah. just like, oh, wow, this is just pouring out onto the paper. And then you have days where it's just like a freaking, you know, 12 round boxing match where you're just like, Oh my God, this is just kicking my ass. Yes. You know, and, and your eraser starts like, brand new, and by the end of the day, you're like, this was new at the beginning of the day. <laughs> what happened? Um, and you do, you get frustrated, and and you just, you know, for me at least, through the years, I've realized when I get to a point of frustration, it's just the best just to get up, take a 10-minute breather, or walk away from it. But, you know, I do realize even on the worst day that you know, I'm doing a dream job yeah. and, you know, a dream job that other people look at and go, man, that's a dream job and something that I've wanted to do since I was a kid. So I'm able to do it. Whereas, you know, it's it's a tough business, man. When, when I went to the Kubert School, we graduated. I think there were maybe, say, 35 people on my graduating class and maybe a third of us are doing comics. Now not everybody that goes to the Cuber school wants to, want to draw comics for a living. Okay. But still, there's still only a handful.
0: Yeah. So, and I don't know if it's like you you should be a certain age to start that and then you, so you have so many years or is it something you can like get into at any point as long as you know your 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 style is I guess well, fresh and, and well, good, obviously, but
1: I mean, I think you can get into it. I, obviously, it's easier, you know, when you're when you're younger, because that's all you have to concentrate on. You know, how it is. Right. the older you get, the more stuff you have um, and the more it just takes. Like when I went to the when I was going there before I started, I really was telling myself I need to have a job before or when I graduate, because if I don't. I'm going to obviously have to make a living somehow. My parents aren't just going to be like, "Well, oh, yeah, three years, come back home, just live on the couch, we're good." <laughs> you know, so so I realized if I didn't have a job before I graduated or when I graduated, you know, I might have a one or two month buffer in there, where my parents might be because I did move back in with my parents, where they might be like, "That's cool, work at it, but." They wouldn't have been like, it's been four years, guy. What's going on? (laughs) So I probably would have had to get a quote unquote real job doing what make a living. And then at night or in my off time, work on samples and so forth. And I just know how hard that would have been.
0: Yeah. You
1: know, doing a regular eight, you know, eight hour job. And when you take into fact commuting and everything else, you're looking at probably 10 hours of your day gone. And then you have to come home and, you know, nose to the grindstone at a desk. Yep. And if you really want to do it, you'll do it. And like I said, that's why I really knock on wood and just am very thankful that I got that gig at D.C. when I was in my senior year. And, um, you know, the editor was real cool. He was like, look, there's no real pressure. So I, I want you to finish school before you even start drawing the book. So I was able to finish school and not have to do schoolwork and, you know, draw this thing for D.C. And like I said, after that job, I got another one and another one. And I've been working steady ever since. So I, I definitely count my blessings every day because I do know people that do the real job and, you know, work on it at night and stuff. And, you know, I pat off to them because. They're slowly, you know, making, you know, a living at it. Yeah. So it's just a lot of dedication. And that's, that's the thing. It's not an easy, it's not as easy as people think where it's just, oh, you just sit in a room and draw pictures all day. No. no <laughs> okay.
0: Okay. <laughs> no, because it's it's all about that. You you have to be in that mindset. You have to have the flow going. You have to have the mojo. Like you were saying earlier, some days it just pours out on the paper, and then others it's you're really just like pulling your own teeth and hair out just to put something down that's quality. So it's it's not easy. And, and I and I've I know people that have said that. Ah, people that draw comic books. They said the same thing. They just sit and draw all day. I'm like, well, you're just ignorant. But okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, you know, it's funny because like I've had before, you know, I had regular jobs growing up and stuff. And during the summers at the Kubrick school, I'd have to get a job. And one of the jobs I had, one of the two most physical jobs I ever had was I worked for UPS for one summer. Yep. And when you work at UPS, you do, you don't come in and just go, you're a driver. You literally, I don't know if it's still this way, but back then you work your way up. So the first job you do at UPS is either loading or unloading the 40-foot trucks, tractor-trailers. Yep. And it's just you, one person. And the shifts were only four hours long because for four hours, you get a break. I think you, I got like a 10-minute break every hour. But besides that, um, you start loading because – or no, you would start unloading. Because unloading you didn't you didn't really have to check anything. You just open up a 40foot truck and you just see this wall of boxes and you'd have a conveyor belt and you just start unloading until that truck's empty and you move to a different truck. And I would literally walk out of that place and I could take my shirt off and wring it out.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. um, so I did that first summer and then another job I was a, I did uh, gutters where I cleaned them and installed oh. gutters with a guy. So climbing up on roofs, cleaning out gutters or, you know, putting new gutters up. So the point of the story is I did I've done two real physically demanding jobs. But at the end of the day, for both of those, I was physically tired, but mentally, you know, I I wasn't mentally tired. But after a day of, of creating and drawing comics and, you know, even my friends that write for a living, at the end of the day, you're your mind is just kind of really spent, yeah. you know? So, so it's just the opposite. Like at the, at the end of the day, I could go out and be like, yeah, let's, let's, uh, shoot some hoops or do something physical, no problem. But when it comes to like doing anything mental wise, I just want to turn it off and read a book Yep, or, or watch TV, something that I don't have to use this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. to have to think too hard. I, I'm the same way at the end of the day. It's, it's, you know, cause I, wh- my job, I'm always around people. I'm constantly talking to people. And when, and, and when it, when I'm home at night and I want to work on any, whether it's, you know, artwork or it's, you know, um, editing the podcast or, sure. um, you know, the graphics or animation I do for our little, uh, ads and stuff. It's, I have to really think, force myself to sit down and just do the work because otherwise I just want to sit and um, just Netflix all night and just not think anymore. It's just that that motivation is, is hard to pull out sometimes. But so you've worked for both Marvel and DC. What has been, I don't know, your most favorite project that you've worked um, for either or both? Favorite characters, favorite book?
1: For DC, it was probably... The last one I did, which was Earth 2, Mm -hmm. because of, you know, drawing the different the different um, renditions or incarnations of the characters. you know, Superman, but it was uh, and I don't know what Earth number he's from, but it was uh, the black Superman with the mostly blue suit and white cape. So I got to draw him. Um, I got to draw the Earth 2 version of Batman, which was cool. So Earth 2 for DC, for Marvel, I did a Weapon X miniseries, which is, you know, Wolverine. Yep. So, and that had a ton of characters, Wolverine, Saber, just a ton of mutants
0: in it. Awesome.
1: So that's probably my favorite for that. Yeah. you know what? I got to revise that. I did two issues of X-Men Forever with Chris Claremont. So I'm going to, I'll say those two. I got to, I got to go with those two because I got to work with Chris
0: the legend and, himself.
1: Yeah, and that's just, you know, once again, growing up, reading X-Men. Yep. And Chris wrote it for how many years, you know? So from, I'm trying to remember when he started. In the 70s, in the mm-hmm. late 70s with Cockerham and Byrne. Yep. All the way through the 90s.
0: Yeah, was something so, like 17 years or something crazy like that. Yeah. 15 or 17. And,
1: you know, so I grew up reading that stuff, and yeah. then i get business and I'm still reading the stuff and then I get a chance to work with the guy and I was like oh yeah and it was x-men forever so it was mm-hmm. like that that version of x-men that he was doing when he left the book
0: right originally it would have you know? up with uh x-men number four or something like that right originally yeah. that's kind of where he was wanting to go
1: yeah something like that and yeah. so and I and you know that was that was the era of x-men that I was really getting into that was when I was Going not need a keyword score. Just graduated is when that stuff originally came out. So, so yeah, that was just by far the coolest was God to be able to.
0: I couldn't imagine. I just couldn't. He he's I'm, cause you know, as you know, Dark Phoenix just came out yep. and, and that's my most absolute favorite comic story ever. Jean Grey and Phoenix, my most absolute favorite uh, X-Men and comic characters. I think she's right up there for me with like Batman and Superman I know it's like sure. a strange kind of combo, but um, did you see Dark Phoenix yet? Tomorrow night. Tomorrow night. Okay. All right. All right.
1: I'm a, you know, it's funny because like I've read the stuff online. I haven't read any actual reviews because I don't, besides seeing trailers, I don't want to know anything else. Right.
0: That's best. Um,
1: but, you know, you go on Facebook and you see your friends and see what they say. And, you know, look, Rotten Tomato, I think, gave it like a 27 or
0: 28.
1: (laughs) Um, But I'm that type of guy that I can find a good nugget out of anything. So like Apocalypse. Was it the best? No. Did I hate it?
0: No. Same.
1: So, I mean, I can't even think, like, I own Green Lantern. Mm -hmm. I love Green Lantern. Oh, the the Ryan Mills movie? DC character-wise, Green Lantern's my favorite. All right. And, You know, Ryan Reynolds is one of my favorite actors. So when I heard the casting and all that, I was so excited. And I can even remember that it was originally supposed to come out in 2010, I believe. And I got bumped a year. And I was like, no! (laughs) And, you know, I saw it. I wasn't in love with it. But I liked it enough to where I bought it. And I can still watch it and enjoy it because I think visually it's really cool. Yep. Like what they did with the costume. I thought Ryan was cool. I just... You know, if anything, I just think they should have went with Sinestro being the villain out of the gate.
0: Totally agree.
1: You know that was because he looked so cool in the end.
0: He and that teaser scene, yeah, he looked awesome. And we'll hopefully we'll see some sort of version of that come to fruition. But you never know if 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 these tank. I don't know. It's what's bumming me out about. Dark Phoenix, and I won't spoil anything. Um, but like you, I didn't. Ha- I didn't hate it, but I didn't right. love it. There's stuff sure. I would have certainly altered or changed. But there's some really cool moments. Uh, Sophie Turner does a really good job. Yeah, um, I don't want to say anymore because I don't want to spoil it for you. But
1: no, I'm just. It's really weird that it's getting like the bad press, I guess, or reviews and stuff. That it is because, like I said, I can I can pretty much go into any superhero movie and walk out of it and not be like that was the worst garbage I've ever seen. I can't. I'm, yeah. Of course. Now I can't think of one, but I can't. I can't think of one that I I've ever been like that with because I'm watching this stuff I grew up with on the big screen. I like all the actors they have cast, like you know Sophie Turner and. Yep. All the other actors. I think the casting's good, and from the previews, it looks good. So, that that's I mean, some... they changed some stuff. Obviously, they have yeah. to, but I don't know. I mean, I'm going into it with an open mind,
0: as you should. That's how I did it. I knew I wouldn't. It wouldn't be my ultimate version. Uh, and now that uh, Disney and Marvel have the rights to the X Men characters back, in a perfect world, we get that fully faithful uh, adaptation. You know, like a good, I don't know. I always see it as this big epic space opera trilogy. It needs to be more than one movie, clearly, because it's such a huge story. Sure. And with Disney's money behind Marvel Studios and with the uh, success of the whole MCU, they would have plenty of cash to, to make it not only visually beautiful, but get the best actors out there and get the best writers out there. Chances are they're not going to touch it, though, because it's been done twice already. Albeit right. incorrect, but uh, I don't know. Well, we'll see. I, I Still, and, to me, it's that uh, X-Men animated series got it just right.
1: <laughs> and I did just think of a movie, a superhero movie, that I was like, who greenlit
0: this story?
1: And it's the first Hawk movie that Ang Lee did. Yes,
0: I was going to say that now, a minute ago.
1: Now, once again, visually, I actually thought the Hawk looked pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know, um, if if that was still the only version that there ever was, and we never saw, you know, Ed Norton talk, and we never saw Ruffalo, you know, what the actual hawk looked like. I'd still be like, that's the best hawk we've got. Yeah. But obviously, you know, when the Norton movie came out and what they made his hawk look like, I was like, oh, that's cool. Yeah. And then I it just nailed the, the the look of the hawk with the MCU. You know Ruffalo stuff, right? But my thing with the Ang Lee one was, how could anybody screw up his origin and change it that much? And why would you? All that garbage. Because I just rewatched it like two weeks ago. It was on HBO, and I'm like, well, why would you take all this garbage with his dad and his dad him yes. and he's got Yes. This- system already and then boom finally the gamma thing goes off and that just kind of activates it but his dad into like a pseudo abomination and i'm just like who grieved like what in the pitch meeting when they said no 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 we know his origin but we're not going to do that exactly (laughs) (laughs) we wanted to have daddy issues so we're going to do this who sat there and went oh yeah that's a great idea." Let's take the awesome origin that you know from the 60s and totally trash
0: it. Even in in the best MCU movies, I question certain decisions. I'm like, but what was wrong with the source material? What was wrong with this origin? Why change it up so drastically? But yeah, that Hulk movie, God, no, no. Yeah,
1: I've seen it a few times. But, you know, but, but the Norton one, I like the Norton
0: one. I do too. I you thought know, he I, was great.
1: I just really... You know, it's been 10 years, so over it now, but it would have been so cool if, you know, Norton worked out. And nothing against Ruffler, because Ruffler does a great job. And to me, he's the Hawk now. But in the beginning, because it is an MCU movie with the tie in with Robert Downey Jr. and end and all that, it just would have been so cool if, you know, when we saw him again in Avengers, if, if it was Norton and if the look was the same, just for continuity reasons. Cause, yeah. Because I'm still reminded. That, that no, that is an, an MCU movie, and I'm like, Yeah, oh, that's right, it is because it's just so visually not so
0: different. I know it's and things like that. I try to, you know, you know, the whole suspension of disbelief thing, but things like that get to me too. I, I love continuity, whether it's a story, um, and especially continuity, uh, visually. Uh, I appreciate that. I love that. And and it is. it makes me sad sometimes because I really did love Norton as Bruce Banner. And I loved Liv Tyler as Betty Ross. And not one mention of her ever again. I know.
1: (laughs) What happened to Betty? They set up so much stuff in that movie. They set up the leader. Yeah. They set up Doc Sanson. Yep. And have done. I mean, it's like it wasn't. It wasn't, you know, the breakthrough smash like Iron Man and stuff, I get it. But it still ties in. Yep. It's still you know, that the whole Brazil thing or wherever you know, wherever he was when Black Widow went to find him was a total yeah. tie. You know, it's still all there. And, you yes. know, the guy from Modern Family, I can't remember the actor's name, that right. was going to be Doc Sampson. Yep. You know, that was like if I was
0: him, I'd be like, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Dumpy. Bill filled the up and Re- then they set all that stuff up and and who knows well well wasn't it part of it like Paramount or whoever um, or Universal yeah that was produced that
1: wasn't a full that was because the first full blown Marvel movie was which
0: it, might have been what, Avengers
1: yeah I don't think it was Iron Man either
0: no because I think Paramount I think. I don't know, some kind of deal with Paramount where they yeah. were helping with like the first several films and then Disney took over, I guess, right before Avengers, right? Or something like that.
1: Yeah, something like that. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the stuff they've just, you know, besides Leader and Doc Sampson and even Betty, there's just no talk of Abomination. Oh, Abomination. Yeah. <laughs> he's still he's somewhere.
0: Probably on the, what is it? The, 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 is it the raft that prison underwater from Civil War? Oh, yeah. Maybe he's there, yeah. or maybe we'll find they set him to the negative zone when they bring uh, the Fantastic Four in. Who knows? That's yeah. nuts. Um, well, back to your to, to the Kickstarter. So, when you make the goal, are you going to continue uh, with with another several books? Are you going to?
1: Yeah, I mean, Volume Two. This one's the male,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and Volume Two would be female. I didn't do them in the same book because once you get to a certain thickness with the paper, you have to go to a different type of binding. It, basically, it's square bound after a certain amount of pages. And if you do that, you can't lay it flat. When it's stapled, like comic books are, you can still lay it flat.
0: So See, that's something that, I never would have thought big, of.
1: Yeah, no, that's a big thing since I want people to draw on it. I wanted to be able to open up, lay it flat, be able to draw on it. Um, and I wanted, you know... I like the idea of doing two volumes, you know, and then who knows? There could be a third one that's maybe just kids, you know, I don't know. But the second one is definitely female with different physiques, body type, heads, all that stuff as well.
0: So. Nice. Do you have any other projects coming up that you're allowed to share with us?
1: Yeah, no, I'm finishing up, uh, you know, with Ominous Press, the company that I'm involved with, with Bart Sears and Ron Mars. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm finishing up. Issue four of Demigod, which is the yes. four issue book I'm doing with Ron. So I'm finishing that up, and then after that, we shall see. I've got a couple things in mind, creator-owned type stuff, and actually, Heroes Con is this weekend, and one of my friends is coming down for it. So I'm going to talk to him about a couple different things, um, and hopefully, more Demigod. Um, yeah. We did, you know, the first volume of Demigod. Issues one and two, we put together as a hardcover, which is oversized. It has a 12-page story in it that's only in this hardcover. So there will be a volume two, which collects issues three and four, and will have at least a 10-page story in it to, you know, make it as special as this first volume. So and then hopefully there will be, you know, volume two of Demigod, which would be, you know, buying to number one, you know, another mini series.
0: Hell so, yeah. Yeah. Cause that, that's what you were on promoting last time was, was the Kickstarter for Demigod and that went over very well. So I don't yeah, see it, why it I wouldn't it, continue.
1: It was, but you know, it's one of those things where when the four issues, well, I believe issue you too. In fact, it's funny. I got a Facebook reminder, you know, how they like to go, here's a memory. Yeah. Um, it was from a few days ago and it was, when Debbie God number two came out last year at this time. So yeah, it didn't come out monthly, but you know, it's just one of those things when you're doing your own thing. um, You want, you know, I'm trying to put my best into it and other stuff. I do other things outside of comics, advertising and stuff that have come up that, you know, I have to do as well to make a living. So, Um, but we decided and the same with Dread Gods that Ron did with Tom Rainey, that we'd rather have the same creative team on a book because in the long run, basically a year from now, it'll all be out and it'll all be by the same people. And, you know, a person's not going to be like, well, four issues were drawn by three different guys, but at least it came out on <laughs> time compared yeah. to, here it is, one nice collection all
0: the same artists. That visual yeah. continuity. Exactly. Yep. So, that means people don't a lot.
1: realize. I'm not saying this is Watchmen or Dark Knight, but people <laughs> don't realize Dark Knight and Watchmen didn't come out over the course of four months and a year. Right. <laughs> I think that's one of the nice things about not, it not being a DC or Marvel thing, because I get it. When you're a big company like that mm-hmm. and you're putting a, a Superman book out, it's got to be there every right. month. But then, you know, like you said, when they do do their special projects like uh, Batman Damned, I believe issue three is not out yet. And, you know, I don't mind. And maybe it's because I'm biased as a creator that I know the work that goes into it. Yep. And I love Lee Bermejo's work. So I'd rather see Lee do the work than them go. Nope. It needs to come out this day. This is when we said, Lee, you're off. We're doing this. No, nope. yeah. I'm good with waiting because it's all about the continuity of it mm-hmm. rather
0: see it all by one. I'm the same so, way I, as you, you want it to be as good as it can be and if it takes a few extra months so be it Pretty yeah. much Tell our listeners where uh, they can find you.
1: website is just andysmithart.com social media is uh, you know facebook.com forward/ Andy Smith cartoonist because somebody already had Andy Smith art. <clears throat> um, Twitter's Andy Smith Art, Instagram's Andy Smith Art. So,
0: yeah, yeah, guys, go follow him. I follow you on Instagram specifically, and love everything you post. He's got some goodies, boys and girls. Thank you for coming on our show yet again. I want to hear your thoughts on Dark Phoenix after you see it. So I might have to have you back on if you're uh, if you have time and you're willing.
1: Oh, definitely. I'm down for doing movie review stuff anytime. All
0: right. Cool. Cool. Because I I love I want to hear it from, you know, not just a fan's perspective, but a creator's perspective of where I I, as well. I think that would be pretty cool. But yeah, I'm dying to talk about this movie with someone who cares about the source material like I do. So, Um, oh, yeah. Well, all right. Mr. Andy Smith. Thank you again. No, thank you. I appreciate it. Best of luck with the Kickstarter. We'll share the hell out of it, and we're going to get this book out, right? Cool, man. Yeah, dude. All right. Excellent. uh, We'll ta-ta for now, then. All right, dude. Take it easy. (laughs) Later. Guys, I hope you enjoyed listening today. You can find me Blake at MindmeldX on Instagram. You can find Steady Geekin at steady underscore geekin on Instagram, and of course on Facebook. Uh, of course, the Earplug Podcast Network, and you can find us on the Anchor app and pretty much wherever you get your podcast fix. Thank you for hanging out, and remember, keep on steady geekin. It, but it but you I even in. This has been Steady Geekin', a Dynamic Duo High Five production.